Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. The parables of the workard and the vineyard. Today I am drinking Old Grandad, bottled in bond. And I'm drinking it today because I learned something special about it. The Old Grandad that it is named after is no other than Basil Hayden, the same person that Basil Hayden whiskey is named after. Basil Hayden is one of my favorite bourbons. It's a nice sippable bourbon, and I wanted to give this bourbon another try. Of course, I've had Old Grandad before, but knowing the history behind it, I wanted to give it a bit of a a new glance, maybe. You know, look back at something that I've had before. And as I have it now, I notice a bit more of the flavor to it, particularly in the bondled and bond version. It is a cinnamony. It's not a cinnamon whiskey by any standard, but it has more of a cinnamon flavor both on the nose and in the body than you would expect in many other bourbons. It is a bit harsh, that's for sure, but it is a nice bourbon. I still think I'd prefer Basil Hayden, but it is nice to give this other Basil Hayden, the old granddad, a second look. Today we have a praise report. Uh, Last week I told you about the family that's child was undergoing an emergency surgery. It was successful. The chance of success was quite low for the surgery, so the prayers that you sent were important and impactful, and it was just fantastic to see the results. Now, the child has a long road to recovery ahead of them, and there will be some ups and downs, I am sure, but the family and their son is just overjoyed with the success and with the support that many of you gave them. I got several emails from people supporting the family, which I passed along, and the father would like me to mention here on the podcast, as I did in the email that was sent out earlier this week, that he is just so thankful for all of you and for the life that you give him in your prayers. So thank you again for praying with him, and I want to give you an update that the child is doing as well as can be expected. Now let's go ahead and we'll start our study off with a prayer. Almighty God, we pray for you in moments like this. Please send forth your understanding. Allow us to be compassionate people who feel your presence among us. Allow us to know your place as your children. Let peace center itself upon this world and all who are present here today. We pray this in your son's holy and great name. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. 
When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when he came to those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have bore the burden of the work and in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Am I not being fair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. Over the years, this parable has been seen in many different ways. Often we have a tendency to see ourselves as the good characters in parables. I mean, who doesn't want to see themselves in a good light, either today or in the past? And when we read this, we might think that we would have been one of those workers who didn't complain if we were hired earlier, or we would have been one of those who were hired later in the day. But honestly, I think if we're fair with ourselves, and we had worked in a vineyard all day in the heat, and some other worker had barely worked an hour toward the end of the day in that nice cool breeze, and they were paid the same amount as us, Well, I probably would be upset. I would want to make more. It's a very natural thing, right? To want to make more based on your labor. I mean, here in the United States, we expect to get paid based on our labor. If we do more work, we expect to get paid more. We wouldn't want to be paid the same amount as someone who worked merely an hour if we worked a 12-hour day. But the things of the world aren't the same as the things of God. And many people, when they read this scripture, read it from a worldly understanding. They believe it's an economic scripture, an economic parable, talking about wealth. It has often been used to justify the principle of a living wage, that everyone should be paid a certain amount. Other people have used this to justify a form of Christian communism, that everyone, regardless of your labor, should be paid an equal amount, that we should share everything in common. But this isn't purely a worldly parable. And in fact, there is much deeper meaning to it than just the words on the page. Particularly if we look at the context of the time, if we look at the world in which Jesus spoke this parable into existence, then we can see something deeper. But I'm sure that if this isn't your first time tuning in to Bible and Bourbon, you knew that I would look at the deeper context here. That's what we do at Bible and Bourbon. We we examine the background of what Jesus said, not just the words that he said, to see the meaning particularly hidden in the parables. Because this isn't just an economic parable. In fact, it's not primarily an economic parable. It's a spiritual one. 
We've talked in the past about how the Gospel of Matthew seems as if it was written primarily for a Jewish Christian audience. That would be Christians who came from a Jewish background. And this is important because just as Jews hold their heritage as an important aspect of their faith today, Jews back then did as well. Their history was their connection to God. It wasn't just them who was connected to their Savior, but it was their fathers before them and their fathers' fathers all the way back to Abraham. They had a long history of invested work with God. Hopefully you see where I'm going with this. They believed that their ancestors' work was their work as well, that they had put in a work tirelessly working from the morning of civilization to be one with God, and now these Gentiles are converting later in life and they are put on an equal footing with them overnight. They see this as a shortcut going past the work that they had been doing, not just their whole lives, but their ancestors' lives as well. But now, all of this was void because Jesus came into the world and offered salvation. In the New Testament, particularly, we see discussions, particularly with the Apostle Paul, about different aspects of the Jewish faith. Uh, We see it with circumcision and also with the dietary restrictions. Uh, There were discussions between the apostles on on whether Gentiles needed to convert fully to Judaism in order to accept Christ. Some Jewish believers thought that it was a shortcut, that they shouldn't allow uh, Gentiles to convert to Christianity if they weren't converting to Judaism first. They were the ones who came out in the morning, the ones who had worked tirelessly in the fields, and these Gentiles came in at the last hour. And now they were given the same wage without any of the work. But Jesus is saying here that we are all one. We all have the same footing, that there is a single price that we are given as our reward. And we've all done enough to receive that reward if we come to God through him. And it's the same for us today. There are some people who have lived their entire lives as Christians, who were born into Christianity, whose parents were Christians, who have went to Sunday school and church every single uh, time that it was open, not just on Sundays, but on Wednesdays and Saturdays too, And then there's others who have lived as sinners their entire lives away from God and then in their last moments on their deathbed truly accepted Christ in their hearts and they are given the same reward. It doesn't matter how you get there. It just matters that you find your way. And that's more than just with our faith. We we can see this ideal in our entire lives. Uh, Sometimes we get upset if we don't get more then, well, we were promised. I had a friend who one month was given a $500 bonus at work. He had been given that bonus because it had been a particularly difficult month. He worked in maintenance, and twice as many parts broke that month as had in any month prior. 
And additionally, two of his fellow mechanics were out for a majority of that month, so he had to do uh, four or five times more work than he normally did. Because of this, his work decided to give him a $500 bonus. He was excited. He was through the moon happy about this gift. But then, the next month came. Those two extra mechanics were back, and his workload dropped back down to a normal and manageable amount. But that didn't stop him from complaining, because at the end of the month when he didn't receive that $500 bonus, he felt as if he was, well, left out. He, he was disappointed. He was happy with his wage a month ago. He was happy that he got paid the same amount as he did week after week, but, but after he got that bonus... He felt as if he was worth more, as if the amount that he originally accepted wasn't good enough. And maybe you've had something like that happen to you in your life. Now, it's probably not as easy to see as a bonus at work, but, but maybe it's something with your family or with your friends. Maybe at one moment you were given something greater than you expected, but now you've become upset, and maybe obsess over it because you haven't been given it again. This is life. We can't try to keep up with the Joneses, uh, trying to get something more and more. When we realize that the gift we've been given by Christ is the greatest gift of all, and it's given freely, uh, whether we put in extra effort or not. So why would we obsess over something that isn't a gift nearly as good as the one that Christ gives us, when it too is something that we were promised? Don't obsess over gifts that you've been given, and accept gifts generously, just as you accept the gift of Christ. But realize that a gift is just that, a gift. It's not a promise for eternity, but a promise for now. Next week, we are going to move on to chapter 21, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's a wonderful story that allows us to see the ebbs and flows in Jesus' life, how sometimes he is on top of the world triumphantly entering the majestic city of Jerusalem, and at other times, he's pulled through that same holy city in chains. As always, if you have any questions or prayer requests, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. And while it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.